The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Today. So it dawns on me, we've almost become the Tall Guy podcast. What? I, I feel like we keep we keep dealing with, hey, I'm tall, and people making us look short. <laughs> True. One of our car debates one of our car debates tonight is John writing to us from San Diego. He is six foot six and looking for a fun car. Uh, the choices are limited, but I look forward to talking about that one. Also, Peter is shopping for his daughter. We've actually helped him in the past, which is cool. He said uh, following along with our stuff has helped him get into something he liked. We have another car debate for his family, though. So, yeah, I'm excited to talk about Peter and his daughter getting her first car. But before we get to all of that and your questions, which are great, you and I end up talking about autonomous cars all the time, I feel like now. Well, it's a big part of everything that's going on with the car industry. It's a big part of mm -hmm. everything going forward. And I am continually fascinated by this. I, I Yeah, I, I just – it's not that I can't get enough of it because that's the way the world's working. And I, I'm telling you, every time I do the West Coast visit, it's yeah. like that's all that matters yeah. are autonomous driving and autonomous cars. But it seems like it's in the news constantly too, so it's hard to avoid – and here yeah, we are with some examples here. <laughs> yeah, it's uh Well, I mean you've, it's you've struck there. the key thing there. You've struck the key thing in that it's it's what everybody wants to talk about. But just because everybody's talking about it, us included, doesn't mean that it's really actually here or it is on our doorstep and taking over the industry like we would be led to believe. Yeah. yeah. However, however, they do exist. It's this we're in this weird gray area. I'm noting a couple of articles here. First one is uh, Uber is mm -hmm. suspending all of their self-driving tests in Arizona after a recent crash. And you might have seen this going around the internet. It shows a yeah, Volvo yeah. XC90 test vehicle on its side after mm -hmm. a collision mm -hmm. in Tempe, Arizona. And <laughs> apparently it got T-boned by another driver in this yep. crash. But the headlines, yep. if you would let, be led to believe, the way the headlines are positioned across everything is they have a picture of a car on its side and it says mm -hmm. something about autonomous driving. So your instant reaction is, oh my gosh, autonomous cars are crashing and everything and they're, yeah, you know, exactly. they're going to take over the world. And, you know, you and I were talking about movie plots already last night, yeah. which was Sky, Skynet, <laughs> Skynet is here and it's come to kill us all. That's, that's the other thing. Yes. It's the way it's positioned. So you see this car on its side mm -hmm. and you think, oh no, autonomous cars are something to be avoided entirely. And, you know, a car on its side and it's crashing and it's hurting people. And, well, hang on, <laughs> hang on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Breathless, but let's read the article. Let's look at everything going on here. So, yes. Mm -hmm. It got in an accident. We've seen another example where an Uber just kind of cruised happily through a red light, I think, on the end of a yellow cycle there. Obviously, on the end of yeah, a yellow cycle, yeah, yeah. but just like a, any human would do. But this yeah, car, sure. Sure. It, it was in self-driving mode at the time of the crash and did have a driver behind the wheel. But the mm -hmm. other vehicle was at fault. The other vehicle yeah. came and yeah. T-boned the car enough to knock it over, essentially. But – you you know who I want to hear from in this? I want to hear from the guy behind the wheel but not driving in the XC90. Where's that guy's interview? Because no kidding. He, he is now he is now in a group of one people that have been in a wreck <laughs> while riding while being hit by a 
actual driven car while you are not driving your current car. That's funny. He, that's Talk about a world exclusive. Where's that? Can we get him on the podcast? Because that guy's interview is the one I want to hear. <laughs> but you know what all of this leads to? I mean, the, the other article that you and I are wanting to talk about is the fact that California, who's been kind of unsure what to do, has changed their regulations a bit to allow companies like Uber, if Uber restarts this, and of course they will, of course they companies will. like Uber to allow, uh, to allow them to operate as autonomous vehicles for rideshare if, and I want to connect to something else you and I were joking about, if they will make those autonomous rides in the rideshare program free. Meaning it's oh. it's live human beta testing. <laughs> this is the thing about autonomous cars that I just can't get past, be it the Tesla system, which admittedly is very good, but pick your system. You know, Uber's got theirs, Google's got theirs. In every single one of these, somewhere in the legalese is, by the way, this is beta. Which doesn't sound like that big a deal when you download a program from the internet and you try it on your computer and you go, oh, bummer, it's got a bug. But when you're riding in a car, and clearly yeah. there are other idiots out there too, as the Uber wreck proves, you're now you're you're not beta, you're guinea pig. It should start being labeled, you, sir, are a guinea pig, and see if that changes people's reaction. Oh my gosh. A thought just occurred to me about our favorite roads in Germany, and to all of our friends in Germany, You've got the Autobahn. You've got the highway system there, mm -hmm. and 40% of it is de-restricted. So we'll just yep, get to yep. the point now about what you're talking about. Yes, you can take a free autonomous ride and join the 200-mile-an-hour club, but you're taking your life into your own <laughs> hands and letting the car do the work on the Autobahn. Are, are we going that far? Sadly, you're not taking it into your hands. That's what's frightening. You're, you're, you're putting exactly. it in the hands. Exactly. I'm going to stay with it. You're putting it in the hands huh. of Skynet. You, sir, are oh. part of the next Terminator sequel. Or actually, if we look at it in current Hollywood terms, the Terminator prequel, before Skynet decided to take over the world, it just decided to randomly drive people places and run them into things. Yes, I'm being conspiracy wow. theorist. But, wow. uh, you know, there I was you go. suggesting it's, that it's very Skynet thing. prequel. I was suggesting mm -hmm. that about movie plots, and it's going to be worked into more and more where you know we were asked the question, could you just simply reprogram the cars to just go do yeah. whatever yeah. it is? Okay, there's, there's some plausibility. There's some very much not plausibility because the machine mm -hmm. learning cannot just instantly be reprogrammed. It's learning a certain way and is influenced by lots of input. It's not just yeah. following a set yeah. of instructions. It's deciding on its own at some point. We're not sure. quite there yet, and <laughs> yeah, when you're in this accident, did the driver who T-boned the Volvo get out and say, you cut in front of me? Like, no, I didn't. The car did. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I didn't. The driver. What? The driver has, of the Uber has all deniability. <laughs> you know what, sir? Exactly. I actually did nothing. I did nothing. I was sitting so here. So you, you feel free. Walk around <laughs> to the LIDAR eyes of the Uber that is now on its side and tilt your head to the side and argue with that for me because I didn't do a thing. <laughs> so truly, you can throw up your hands in an accident and scream because you're not driving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is I, – I just – aye, aye. this is the thing about this that makes it so fun to talk about over and over is because we're in such a weird gray area. And I am yeah. continually shocked, continually shocked by the kind of things that can be covered by just saying, by the way, this is beta. And I come back to <laughs> yeah. that is a much more serious yeah. term when it's you traveling down the road than when it's you sitting in your home office. Hmm. Wow. I like the idea of free. So does everyone. But – that's why, Gosh, yeah. for autonomous That's why people rides. will take the rides. 
Yeah, that's why people will take the rides. But there's definitely going to be 50-50. Half the people will, half yeah. the people won't. So they've got plenty of beta testers. Boom. And you are you are instant guinea pig. You are instant <laughs> guinea pig. Sure, you got a free Lyft or Uber somewhere, but in that period of time, you are a lab rat. You are being watched and tested just like the car is, you know. What is that sound? Oh, that's me scratching on the glass trying to get out. That's what that sound is. Oh, my gosh. Well, in other uh, related news, a few weeks prior, the California DMV has announced uh, sort of relaxing autonomous car laws. And I find this funny because I looked at the accident, the Arizona accident, and all I could think Mm -hmm. of was growing pains. We're in growing pains right now. We're going to see more accidents. I firmly believe that. We're going to see more crashes and accidents and beat up cars and all that kind of stuff, which leads me to another question. Are Mm -hmm. we no longer going to care about cars as the special shiny object? I mean, I like to detail my cars and keep them nice looking. Are we going to treat everything like a rental car now? Is (laughs) our car care products going away because nobody cares? Let's just put it through the robot car wash. And there's no reason. Yeah. I'm I'm fascinated by all these different thoughts. I mean, we've taken it so far as to talk to home builders who are building yeah. homes and doing planning for new home buildings, new homes, and that mm-hmm. if this is how the future is going, there will no longer need a, be a need for garages. We'll eventually yeah. migrate back to the detached carriage house. They'll become yeah. detached from the house again. And then at some point, we won't need a garage. Real estate listings will not include hey, it's got a two-car garage or a three-car garage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now they're talking about how to repurpose your garage space for rental income. I mean, the ripple yeah, effect is yeah. on and on and well, on. It, We're not there it completely, yet. But it's, it completely changes it's city planning. But, here, but here's the thing. As you and I kind of dig around and ask questions in this world, what we find are the people that are thinking about – so if we follow current trajectory, what does this mean? And that leads to the stuff you're talking about, about home building, all these other things. Yeah. Where will we wind up? We don't know. I, I think it was coined by, I think it was Alex Roy, but I think it's a very good point. At some point, there needs to be, I hate to put it to put it this way, but a car lobby, a car driving enthusiast lobby, similar to the, uh, uh, the NRA for gun ownership. No matter how you feel about the NRA, either way, pro or con, ultimately, what are they doing? They are ultimately... The big, the big bully that defends the people that want to have guns. We need that for enthusiasts. If this progresses like mm. we're talking about, there will have to be some sort of lobby group that goes, no, 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 those of us that want to drive should have the right to drive, and here are the regulations under which that's possible. Thankfully, we're not there. We should talk about some car debates because we can still drive. I don't want to Fight remind all of right you. to drive. Wow. Seriously. Well, let's be honest. I think huh. I think if this goes this far and it's all everything's being driven with a mass cloud, you know, learning machine, it's Skynet. I, seriously, I'm wow. just going to stay with the Skynet thing. I <laughs> it get is. T-shirts. My T-shirt of the night is just a black T-shirt with the world's most simple block letters, and it just says it's Skynet. Yeah, it, it really it works is. in all situations. It's just it works in all situations. Wear that to any party you want, and that will work fine. Because, of course, I am the guy that wear a T-shirt to a party. But anyway, moving on. Um, but uh, I do want to remind all of you that are now horrified at us and at the industry at large. <laughs> electric cars and autonomous cars are a blip on the radar of cars that are actually out there and actually being sold. In spite of what the news would share with us. Absolutely. But all of these growing yeah. pains are fascinating from the legal sides, from the technology sides, and how it affects those of us that want to drive is unknown. 
And that's why we're talking about it. It is. And it's just something uh, amusing, you know. uh, Of course. Not amusing, but musings on our part, if you know what I mean. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, we're, we're speculating over here. But the news screams this so much, but we've got to put it in context. And as Todd just said, this is a tiny, tiny portion of the market. Uh, You know, semi-autonomy is used, you know, not that much by everybody who, has the tiny percentage of the car that will do it. By the way, autonomous sure. driving and electric cars are not synonymous. The powertrain doesn't have to be electric for the car to be mm-hmm. autonomous. So keep that in mind. Those are separate. But it's really interesting to talk about and look at how it's affecting car buying. And that's where we come uh-huh. back to the debate. It, it's going to affect buying at some point. It's going to be 20, 25 years before it's ubiquitous, but it's mm-hmm. growing as as we're talking about. It's growing pains. It's entering well, the market. It's about, pushing yeah. along those kinds of things. But as interesting to see how it, it affects before, the news. This, the, absolutely. This I feel like and this is actually dawning on me, kind of anew as we're talking about it. The, when you think about the skunk works or the you know most elaborate thinking that's going on at automakers, it seems to exist in one of two categories. It's either all of this stuff, the autonomous car, electric car world. The, there's a bunch of skunk work guys doing that. And then yeah. you have what I would describe as like the <laughs> – what is it when you have the, the special forces guy that are disavowed or at least will be denied by the military if they get caught? The guys that nobody wants to admit are out there. Those are the guys making the Ford GT. Sure. They're, they're, yeah. they're huddled away in a conference room that nobody knows exists, and they're making the super hot stuff. While the press and all the R and D money is going into, we made a, we made a pod. It's fascinating to me that Skunk Works is existing on both sides of those in most big car companies. Thank God we've got good cars to drive right now. Let's talk about yeah. John in San Diego writing in and saying he's been watching us for a while. He actually really liked our uh, Mustang video, the GT three fifty versus Boss three hundred two. Thank you, John. And I will say, by the way, that is one of the episodes that is coming to Velocity. It's one of the ones that's being remade for television. Uh, so those of you that are going to watch us on Velocity, nice you'll be able there. to see that one again. I'm, hey, I'm trying to put that out there. That's this next <clears throat> Hello. This is Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Hello. End um, of the week. Saturday yep. is the beginning of our 13 weeks on Velocity. So guess where my head has been. So that's madness. But uh, he is trying really hard to get out of what he describes as boring Carville in spite of being six foot six, that seems to be a trend on the podcast, and having two kids, including one in a trash can car seat, he's trying to find a fun sedan, a genuinely fun sedan, rear-wheel drive, manual transmission. This list is short. It is. He's got the disease, and I love that you're writing in here. This is, John, this is great. He, you, you're in a nice area of the country, beautiful weather most of the year, so none of the talk of tires and all-wheel drive and any of that. It's only about a large sedan and the fact that he does want something manual. And I came Mm -hmm. to two based on your list here, John. You're suggesting an older M5, so the older BMW uh, M5, Mm -hmm. E39 Mm -hmm. M5. You're talking about swapping the engine out for a Chevy crate engine with far more horsepower. <laughs> that car already has 400, John. It wasn't ever considered slow by any means. I know. Means. I, I, and if I, you're gonna... I love the idea of that. Isn't that ridiculous? I'm going to take an N5, and I'm going to put an LS in it. Why? I... Just to make somebody else angry. That's really why I'm doing it. <laughs> I love the idea. I mean, the sound's not going to really change. But, yeah, you're going to yeah. add a whole lot of horsepower. <laughs> I mean, I love the idea, but then, you know, we've talked about those rest of mods. It's, it's, you know, putting that kind of money into the car already is not necessarily mm-hmm. going to add value. And you're, you're putting a lot of money 
into doing this project. So I like the idea. We could go crazy with the rest of Mod's idea, but I mean, we got to come back to reality here. This is me talking, <laughs> the guy that loves to spend your money. Wow. Impressive, yeah. <laughs> so he's also talking about throwing some car seats into a 2015 and newer Mustang because he's, yep. of course, the Mustang fan, hoping for the best. Yep. And he's got the yep. Acura MDX with over 150,000 miles that he's keeping as the daily mm -hmm. driver, the daily use. But you were also looking for Cayenne GTSs. I like that you were sniffing around those, and those actually mm -hmm. were available with a manual transmission in very yes. limited quantities. You will have mm -hmm. to look very hard to find that car. And if you do, well, I keep it forever. On. I mean, I'm going to stop you because he's in San Diego. His budget is, I'm going to make sure I'm getting it right. His budget, he gave you a max of 45 grand. Yeah, he, he, he limited found me. A <laughs> manual. Cayenne GTS manual transmission in your Belinda that matches your needs. Kid me. How many miles? I am not kidding. You know, I was afraid you were going to ask that. I had it pulled up earlier. I got to find it again. Do we need to put a Chevy uh, Crate not... motor in that thing too? I mean, are we going to have to go there? <laughs> I, I don't know, but I, <laughs> but I was, crate motors I was and everything, impressed right? that your <laughs> why not? We're going to become the LS podcast. That's going to be it. It's just going to be what do we put an LS in this week? <laughs> your FRS hey, is next. Let's put it, Let's put an LS in our drone that we shoot the show with. That'll be hysterical. Let's I mean, just do that. that props you know, just to get that I, thing off the ground are going to be impressive, but I'd love to see that. Everything will help with more. Should, should I, by the way, that, I didn't mean to, but now that I've bumped into it, should I tell the drone story? I think you should tell the drone story. This is really I funny. should tell the drone okay, story. Okay, so this we're going to pause right yes. here for the drone story and come back because we're talking, yeah, we, we got to, I want to hear about your Cayenne GTS. That you found. Yes, I agree. I'm going to see if I can find it again in the process. But but here was the thing that happened. I, something <laughs> so inexplicable silly. happened with our drone this weekend. Like if you made up a list and said, I flew a drone this weekend and this happened, this would not be on your list. I'm quite certain. But my dad was in town, and he's one of these people that is completely kind of boggled. As far as he's concerned, I think we are living in some weird distant Jetsons future. Every piece of technology he sees from me is like, what now? So anyway, he wanted to see. It's fun. Seriously. It's fun. I mean, you know this, but so he wanted to see uh, the new drone that we have. We have a, a DJI uh, Mavic. So he wanted to see that. And it is, it's shockingly stable. That's the thing about it. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah. So I put it out on my driveway and I went out there with my dad <laughs> so and my funny. dog and my son was on his way out and, and it was a still day. It was perfect. So I put it out on the driveway, got it all set up, took it off and purposely took it off and just raised it about two feet off the deck, just just barely off the deck. Yeah, and let it just right. sit there. And took my hands off the controller to show him that it sits there. Right, right. As I took my hands off the controller, my dog, who is the world's sweetest lab pit bull, she everything is, you can think is. of mix. She's very yeah. sweet. Yeah. What's funny about my dog is she's very sweet until dog parks or whatever. Somebody attacks her and then she will end it. She's ready to just be like, all right, if you're going to start something, I'm going to try to finish it. She's not ever going to start anything. We've seen that her whole life. It's very funny. So as I take my hands off the controller to show my dad this thing just sits there, she wanders past my leg. No big deal. Wandered by the drone. Also no big deal. She's not that close to it. And then suddenly turned her head to sniff the spinning rotor. The dog <sighs> sniffed the rotor blade on the chopper. Now to the chopper's credit... It didn't do anything. It it barely it barely. I'm, I mean, I'm soon glad to hear in, this too because that could have been. Just, yeah, that could have gone very badly. I mean, a vet could have gone horribly. And, but never in a million. And please don't get me wrong. If, you, if you're listening to this, this was not a slow progression. The dog just kind of walked by and then suddenly just looked over like, oh, what's this? And sniff, sniffing a spinning blade, which Nictor knows. 
So then she gets that back of her throat nasty growl like, I'm going to totally take that thing out, at which point I was like, no. <laughs> so I called her down while I sent the drone scuttering skyward. She got this big guttural growl like, I'm going to take that thing out, which I thought was hysterical. But I thought, okay, the drone has bitter. anyone ever actually had a drone? Yeah, exactly. The drone bit my dog. It bit her. Has, this, has that sentence ever happened before? I just uh, anyway, this happened with my dr- drone and my dog. As, my as drone I told and my you. dog got in a fight, which is just—I don't even have an explanation for that. But there it is. You know, dog bites man, not news. Man bites dog, no longer news. <laughs> drone bites dog, that's news. That's <laughs> you heard completely it different. He, you have yeah. a drone sniffing dog. Do you realize this? That, that, <laughs> who knew? Who knew that she could find that? <laughs> Look at that. That's quite impressive. Yeah, unbelievable. So anyway, uh, we're right. back. We were talking about yeah. John, who was back thinking to this about maybe. That you found. I'm curious. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna try to dial it in here, but but that that Cayenne, I really thought, okay, that is a, a worthwhile answer here. I think I've got it again. Let me see here. I was wondering about this because I was about to go shopping, but I went in a couple different directions because I thought, yep, well, I've got oh, they're hard to find. I've got it. And, uh, but apparently it's a, you did. Uh, honestly, John, if you're thinking about a Cayenne, I've found your car. This is an 09 oh. GTS. Okay? 09 GTS. That means it's what uh, the first gen Cayenne is kind of split into two generations. They didn't make it in 07 because of all the problems up through 06. They had so many problems they actually didn't make it for a year. I have a 2010 which is part of if you follow me, kind of second gen but it's just like the revised first gen. I know it sounds weird. So I have that that gener- generation. So is this one an 09 GTS manual in your Belinda $35,000 uh, sorry $36,000 35.9 it has 50,000 miles on it I'll tell you John honestly right now I'd buy that car in a heartbeat I'd just buy it if that interests you at all and please don't think I mean I'm proving it please don't think 50,000 miles on your Cayenne is a lot of mileage mm. it's not I just rolled by 90. We're about to do do another long term. Spend the money on the services as they come available, and that will just run. Yeah. Come on, yeah. 36 grand. 36 grand GT. I want this <laughs> You sound this like car. you're about to drive down there and buy this thing. That's hilarious. Practically. Practically. 54,000 miles. That uh, Yes, that's close to you. If you're thinking Cayenne John, uh, conversation over. I have another car for him, though, but I found that one and went, yeah, that gets the family thing done. <laughs> well, John's current garage includes an O3 350Z, an F150, the MDX that I mentioned, and a Honda Odyssey. Mm-hmm. His favorite car is a Ferrari 355, which I, I that's up there. I mean, I don't know Hard how badly I want to own a Ferrari of that ilk, <laughs> of that. I, I think that era is great for other people to own and us to drive yeah. it. But Talk about maintenance. I, yeah. I, uh-huh. I like that. And then here you are wanting this. So you never said what you might be selling. Maybe you're not selling anything. Maybe the Cayenne joins you. But I went in a different direction here. (laughs) (laughs) That makes for five cars. Sure, why not? If you got the garage space, do it. That's a lot of family vehicles, though. That's the other thing about it. I'm surprised this has to be a family vehicle because all those can almost do family duty except for the 350Z. But okay, all right, let's keep going. All right, here we go. I'm thinking uh, I've got in mind your six foot six nature here, your height. That is yeah. that is on yeah. my mind. And you mm-hmm. mentioned that three series are too small for you because I started out at I found a gorgeous 2011 E90 M3 manual competition package Ooh. 
52,000 miles for exactly 45k. Hmm, that's that's I want to go car. get that car as badly as you want to go get that Cayenne. I mean, <laughs> I, I want to go find this thing. This is at Enthusiast Auto, our friends over in Cincinnati. Of course. And, uh, of course it is. Yeah, I I couldn't believe it. it looks gorgeous and clean and it's silver. Oh, perfect. Perfect. I want to go get this car. But then you said, "Okay, fine. You're you're a pretty big guy." So I came back to your M5 idea. I'm going to endorse you on the E39 M5 because I found good used ones between okay. 50 and 70,000 miles. They're right in the 42 to 46,000 range, somewhere in there. And those are all good. You don't need to do the Chevy LS swap in these cars with such low miles. You just need to sure. buy good, buy a good one, keep it maintained, and just enjoy the heck out of it. So I'm endorsing mm -hmm. your M5 idea. But the compromise that I'm coming to you with is more car. It's a Panamera. I found okay. two yeah. of them. And the compromise, mm -hmm. obviously, is they never came available in manual transmission. So there's the compromise. But... With you being True. such a big guy, True. they're a big car, and I think you're going to fit mm -hmm. just fine. They will. Agreed. You'll be able to have well, plenty of room, plenty of room for the kids and stuff, and they're fast. So here absolutely. we go. Absolutely, great drive. Hang on, hang on. Before you continue, it dawns on me: how tall is our friend Colin? He's at least six six. Colin's at least six six. Yeah, he's up there. He's six 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 seven, and he's. I mean, he's a big South African friend of ours, and. He's a big, big guy. I mean, you, you, we seem like big guys until we stand next to Colin and we go, no, no, we're not that big. So he's, <laughs> he's, yeah. he's, owned, he's owned a progression of Panameras, and he could not be happier. His whole family, they're all big people, and they're thrilled with the Panamera. I'm glad you went there because it makes me think of Colin, and that's been a great, great car for him. Keep going. Did I mention he, he told us that he's uh, talking about either the new Panamera Turbo or the Bentley GTS V8? I'm actually kind of leaning towards Bentley for him. I'm going to tell him that, too. I love just to do something different. I mean, just well, for something okay, different. But he's I owned just, a succession of Panameras, and I'm thinking, he has. what he do has. you buy when you've grown out of Panameras? I've never encountered this question in my life. But maybe <laughs> it's a Bentley. It's, it's, not a, it's not a question that strikes anybody but Colin. This is the thing. Who, True. who has that question in their life? I True. mean, good on him, but I just am sitting here going, yeah, I've had a lot of Panameras. What? <laughs> no one has said that sentence. I'm going to tell him anyway. Bentley. All right, so yeah. back to the Panameras here. The used ones that you can find found a 2011 Panamera S with 32,000 miles, John, $43,900. And then I came to a 2010 Panamera Turbo. I mean, Ooh. top of the range. It's Ooh. down in Florida, 41,000 okay. miles for 34.9. You're kidding. Uh, Is it 44.9? That's yeah, a shocking like that. amount of car for that amount of money. And that also means that car is selling for roughly a quarter of what it costs new. <laughs> and it's only 41,000 miles. The interior looks brand new. And the thing I noted on the Panamera is they just wow. seem to wear well. They, they don't show mm -hmm. wear very much. And the early cars just seemed very robust to me. And, mm -hmm. I, I mean, yes, Panamera, the looks can be polarizing. But you're going to be sitting in it. Everybody else has to look at you. How about that? Yeah. You're going to be the one yeah, enjoying the drive, and hey, it's spacious it's a, and fast. It's a turbo, Panamera Turbo. Yeah, that's, that is a shocking it's amount of car for that amount of money. tottered around that, Florida sure. and just got done barely any miles. So, hmm, hmm. I mean, yeah, it's well, coming I back have, to, to Colin and his size. I'm thinking, you're right. He's yeah. in a lot of Panameras. That's the car for, I have, for big guys. 
I guess so. I have two others that I want to at least mention. Do you have any others on your list? Those are the two. I'm I'm endorsing the okay. M5, the prior M5, yeah. just because of the yeah, manual. Like but I'm going towards the Panamera, even though the transmission is a compromise. But it's still a Porsche. Mm-hmm. It's still brilliant. Yeah. We still I, love it. Yeah, of course. Great driving car. Well, but he he admits he admits that uh, he knows a lot of his options are limited because he'd like to have a manual. So he's willing to, to to cave on that. For those of you that are screaming at the podcast, Chevy SS, Chevy SS, he's driven it. Uh, he doesn't <laughs> right, like right. it enough. Because, uh, of course, that would have obviously been – I would have led the charge with that. We would have been done. He doesn't like it enough. He doesn't like the interior enough. Uh, he found it to be fine. So he took that off the list, which is why that mm-hmm. isn't being championed by yours truly. Uh, but um, I will say if we're going to go away from manual, you do have to look at the E-Class Mercedes. I mean, come on. Get it in wagon yeah. form. Yeah. Get it in non-wagon AMG form. What can you get for 45 A lot. I mean, Paul's finding Panamera turbos. So look at, at E-Class. Oh, yeah. Go as yeah, big yeah. as you can on engine. You'll enjoy that for sure. But if we stay with manuals, I do want to say this. Shop Cadillac CTSVs. Because That's what right. struck me here. That's right. If you're talking about maybe putting an LS motor in a BMW, an older <laughs> BMW chassis. Cadillac did it for you already. Exactly. Well, exactly. (laughs) And then you're also looking at the Chevy SS and going, it's not quite nice enough. Those two things led me right to Cadillac. Go shop for a CTS-V. You can get them in manual. You can get, uh, I I actually found quite a few CTS-V coupes. You've considered putting your kid seats in the back of a a Mustang. CTS-V coupe's going to have every bit as much room or more. I was going to say, correct me if I'm wrong, but the manual transmission was not offered on the sedan, the four-door, was it not? It was only available on the coupe? Is that right? I think it's a... uh, We're going to be wrong. I think it's only... Let me put it this way. I only found coupes in manual. And then, of course, I also did find the wagon. I did find the wagon in manual, but it was 75 grand. So, because people Still. that have those know what they have. That's why it's rare. That's why Still, that car is hanging out with money. Amazing. Whereas the coupes were plentiful. I mean, plentiful meaning you shop nationwide, you could find options to, to debate at 45 or less. And uh, that is, honestly, it's, it's what you're talking about wanting to do with your M5. Mm-hmm. So, I think you've got to take a look at that. And if you're lacking for power, you can also, you know, always take it to John Hennessy down in Texas and tell him to make you poor. And then you'll have a 250 mile an hour Cadillac CTSV with which you'll use million horsepower. You'll use nowhere, but you'll be able to say this thing's fast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so my car's fast. Anyway, how are you? <laughs> so nice, uh, hopefully something in there is helpful to you, John. Yeah, exactly. That, that's going to be easy. <laughs> well, actually, when you blow that motor, you can turn it into a coffee table. It's going to be great. Oh, uh, but excellent idea. Something. Uh-huh. <laughs> Something in there has been helpful to you, John. We're going to move on to the other end of the spectrum, which is Peter writing to us from uh, northern Alberta, Canada. And he f- starts off by just saying, you know, <laughs> he's thanking us, kind of, for helping him uh, advance his disease. <laughs> it's, a, it's a backhanded it, thanks, kind of. Did you notice exactly. that? But, exactly. Yeah. But, but we've advanced it to the point that he went and bought, just like we were just talking about for John, he went and bought a base, which is the same one that I have, the base V6 Cayenne in a manual. After listening to our podcast and shopping for a new kind of interesting SUV, he found a Cayenne V6 in a manual. Was it found in the GTS with a manual or the base with a manual? He found the base Cayenne with a manual. He and his yeah, wife liked yeah. it so much that she now has a brand new Macan S. So they are having a parental crisis. The parental crisis is our daughter is now driving. 
She cannot, will not, will not be allowed to drive the Porsches. What do we get her? And it, it's apparent to me that the budget here is less than 5,000 Canadian. I noticed that too. So Peter and his wife went shopping as the Macan, as uh, Todd mentioned. They picked it up in Stuttgart. Leipzig was not available. And they drove it through <laughs> Germany, Switzerland, Italy, France, Belgium, and the Netherlands. And so that's where the blame comes wow. in. But I love the European delivery thing. I mean, mm-hmm. perfect mm-hmm. excuse. And the fact that you got a Macan is brilliant. That's excellent. Yes, agreed. So to your daughter, yeah, Todd and I have talked about brand new drivers versus what car. And I think you and I should continue that series because it's always mm-hmm. ongoing. I mean, we've talked about, you know, friends of ours who have gotten brand new cars, you know, the the brand new yeah. Golfs and, yeah. you know, the yeah, fact yeah. that I, I want my son or daughter in the latest, safest, you know, most technologically advanced thing in the price range I can afford, but not everybody can afford something brand new. And sure. so yeah. all that stuff still applies but price is very much of an issue here. And as you said, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the highest price on here was about 3600 And so my fingers went shopping here, Peter. I actually found Good. a car for your daughter. The mm, three okay. that you have listed here, first of all, an 07 Toyota Corolla. I don't care if it's brand new. No Corollas. <laughs> no Corollas. <laughs> okay. That's another all T-shirt. Right. Keep going. Keep going. Then, yeah. And I know your wife, and I'm sure she's listening. She likes the Corolla because it's a Toyota. Mm-hmm. But that's the problem. It's also a Toyota Corolla. Yeah. It's a Toyota Corolla. It's <laughs> it's bland on wheels. It, it will run. It will run fine. They sell great. It is bland on wheels. No Corollas. Which, look, you're shopping, you're shopping for your teenage daughter. Uh, hopefully the ratio of teenage daughters in Canada is not what it is for teenage boys in California. The ratio there is you have a 50-50 shot that they will get in a very big wreck and probably wreck the car in year one. Hopefully that's not your ratio you're dealing with. Uh, Although that's only if you have, if you have a bad. Mustang, right? They're, they're, no, they're no, leaving it, a Cars and Coffee or a car show. And, no, that's and 100%. That, that's, that's 100%. That's 100%. Oh, yeah, you're the right. The 50-50 right. is, is across the board. The Mustang okay, right. is brand new driver, 100% leaving a car club. Yeah, that's all bad. But, um, but <laughs> okay, no, so. <laughs> I, I see why the Corolla's on here. There's also a Cobalt Coupe yep, yep. and a Ford Focus Wagon. Yeah, like I say, clear that the budget is less than 5000 Canadian here. And you actually kind of touched on this, Paul. I want to touch on it again. The problem, from a parental perspective, the problem here is this. As you said, Paul, you want to you wanna have a safe car that's also not going to be too much car for your child. But if you're going to spend five, five grand or less, you're not going to get the last, two genera- the last you know, year or two generations of the latest no. tech and airbags. No. So you, that's kind of gone away a little bit. But thankfully, cars have had good airbags and ABS and that kind of stuff for 15, 20 years solid now. So it's not like you're buying a car from the 80s where, you know, tiny little A-pillars and no airbags. Yeah, thankfully. no, certainly not. I mean, I liked your Ford wagon suggestion on here, and I thought that's kind of an interesting choice. And you were liking that because, you know, somewhat fun to drive. We like the platform. Mm-hmm. We like what Ford mm-hmm. does with their performance models here. And so I kept a $4,000 Canadian price in my head, just based on what you you saw here and and what you're finding and apparently these are all people that you know that have vehicles for sale that's fine Mm -hmm. you you know probably a good thing since you know they've taken care of them good maintenance all that stuff but like i said i went shopping and i found an 08 mazda 3 sport for 3900 canadian good now excellent 
195,000 kilometers, so it's in between. It's sort of right in the middle of all the mileage that all these other cars have. And mm-hmm, the best mm-hmm. part, Peter, the best part, it's got a five-speed manual transmission. You Ooh, understand like You understand why I say that, right, Peter? Because yes, yes. this is now a life skill. Forget mm-hmm. the top of the podcast. Forget everything Todd and I were talking about. About you, don't, you no longer have to drive. Your driver's license will no longer be used as a form of ID because maybe <laughs> you don't have a car and you don't need a driver's license. So this is a life skill. This is very important. It's got mm-hmm. the manual. I think it's going to be excellent. And it looked sharp. I think it was a dark blue on the website here. And I thought, there's your car right there. Manual that's transmission. It mm-hmm. looks good. So that's the first gen Mazda 3. And yep, yep. that's what I like. Plus, it's the sport. Looked great. Right Perfect. in the price range, right in the mileage range. And it's near you based on your location in Alberta, up in uh, up in Canada. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm I at. think that's, that's, uh, is that your sniper shot? Because I think you can call that it is. That for sure. I, I liked, Excellent. I started with the Ford. I started with the mm-hmm. Focus. And then mm-hmm. I thought, well, I really like those Mazdas, and it's got enough space. It's mm-hmm. four doors, actually five doors. Yep. Got well, enough space, friends. It's totally. big enough, but it's still small enough. You know what I mean? It's yeah. still the right I love combination. That you found, I love that you found that car specifically because I was going to bring up the Mazda 3 just kind of in general, and I'm no glad kidding. that you went specific <laughs> with it. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, here's the thing about the Mazda 3. We've recommended the current gen many times. We've, we've recommended all the generations because truly that is a car. If, you, if you're not having frame of reference, that is Mazda's Honda Civic competition. And oh, yeah. it is a yeah, fantastic yeah. car. And everyone we've known that's, that's owned any of the Mazda 3 generations has liked that car. So I think the Mazda 3 is a great one. The other thing I love about your sniper shot is the manual transmission. And I'm going to come back around to this in a minute. I want to tell this, the other half of this story. But... There's the thing about a manual transmission that I do want to bring up that you may not have thought of, but is very true. Besides it being a life skill, it's awfully hard to text and drive a manual. Exactly. Thank you. It's it's hard to do anything else because yes. you're so busy driving the car. You can't yes. read. You can't text. And not only All of that is stuff. it a great life skill yeah. that will be useful <laughs> to have in general because you can always get in any car on the planet. That's helpful. But the other part of the equation is just your hands now have to do stuff. They can't, it's harder yeah. to get distracted in a manual transmission yeah. car. And for a young driver, that is very, very helpful. So I love that sniper shot, Paul. I do want to mention a couple others. I think you guys need to look at Honda Civics. Why is the Civic not on the list? That's got to be Honda on the Honda Civics yeah. should be on the list. Yeah, So I, I agree. think you need to look at those as well. I mean, it depends on, you know, what is she like for styling and all that? I get it. But those are cars, I would always say Honda Civic over Toyota Corolla. They're direct competitors. Agreed. The Civic is is always more interesting. And if you can get that in a manual, one of the better gearboxes made. Just Honda makes great manual gearboxes. Same thing. So look Absolutely. at Honda Civics. Yep. Yep. Agreed. I have two wild cards. One's oh, a wild okay. card because I don't know if you can find it. The other's a wild card because I know your gut reaction as a parent is going to be absolutely not. But hear me out. The wild <laughs> card you might not be able to find is a Saab 92X Linear. I owned what, that car. I owned a Saab 92 What differentiated the linear? Well, but here's the thing. I owned the Arrow. The Arrow is the turbo. The linear is the non-turbo. Ah. Okay? That'll so they're save cheaper. money on insurance right there. You know that? Insurance. They're cheaper in general. Okay? You can get them with a manual or an auto, but you can get them with manual or auto. You talked about, you know, all-wheel drive isn't a requirement, but hey, you're in Canada. might be nice. All-wheel drive. It's the better-looking uh, Subaru Impreza. 
Uh, you can get them in linear, mm. and they are, I'm going to get it wrong, but it's like 160 horsepower or so. Look at the 92X linear. So it's 05, 06 airbags. I mean, I had that car. Great car, good seats, good room. That's a wild card because I don't know how easily you're going to be able to find one. And then I have the, okay, honey, we're turning off the podcast now, wild card <laughs> Uh-oh. recommendation. Uh-oh. But I have to go here. Okay. The NA Miata. NA or NB Miata. And I know your okay. wife has just, not as worse has just as looked I thought. at you. Not no, but your wife him. has just looked at you and gone, absolutely not. Absolutely not. We're not doing that. I'm not putting my daughter. How, how well am I doing here with, with quoting your, your wife? Because, hey, I'm married. <laughs> I get it. I get on. it. But, Probably. but here's the thing. Here's the thing. The other reason I wanted to bring up the manual thing is my son has a babysitter whose family, they have five kids, and they've taught all their kids to drive manual. Most of their kids are car people, okay? Their son has got uh, a really nice old Chevelle and a BMW 2002 we're putting on camera later this year. Okay, this is this family. They love cars. They have, the mom bought an N.A. Miata about a year ago. Right about the time her daughter turned 15, they taught her to drive stick on the Miata. And now she drives the Miata around most of the time because they've realized that's the car she drives best. They can put her in the minivan. She can drive it. They can put her in her her brother's big truck that he has if the snow's really terrible. But when they put her in the Miata, she is the most reliable. It is a car she can handle very well. She loves driving it. It's manual transmission. There is learning in that car. Go as new as you can for airbags and stuff. But honestly, I'm putting the Miata out there and saying serious consideration for a first-time driver. I like that. I do. And I, I'm with you on the, the nimble small car. I, I even noticed when I was growing up, my sister could navigate curbs in a small car better than, you know, a mm-hmm. larger family car. And the large family car was a Jetta. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I mean, she sure. yeah, yeah. nailed the curb and, you know, okay, it's, it's spatial awareness of how big the car is around you. And mm-hmm. if they can handle that car better and drive it better, that's actually far safer than a giant tank of a car around them the natural Mm -hmm. tendency and inclination is to put them in a suburban with the driver's seat right dead center and airbags and you know balloons and stuffed Uh animals and their entire bedroom around them to cushion any blows but Uh if they can navigate and and make this car more maneuverable and you know have it suit them just like you know the girl in the story you told yeah i think that's a far better idea so i'm not worried about the small car thing yeah because and that's, a car that can avoid the though. accident in the first place is the safest car. I that's maintain t- that. I agree. No, I agree with you. Of course, I agree with you on that reality. But you and I are atypical here because we're thinking about it from a you drive the car, not you survive the car mentality. Which we're right. the exact opposite right. where we started the podcast. But if, if you told me I had <laughs> exactly. to commute down a... The guy but, survived. But you, what are you talking? He just tipped over. Exactly. The guy if, survived. If you told fine. me I had to commute down a freeway surrounded by first-time drivers... And those first-time drivers could be in Suburbans and big minivans with automatics or little Miatas with stick shifts. I will take the 16-year-olds in Miatas with stick shifts every Mm -hmm. single time because they're going to be paying a lot more attention and they're going to know what that car is doing all the time. That's why I'm putting out little stuff like that. So give that a consideration. Feel free to have me uh, read an angry email from you or your wife about recommending a Miata for your daughter, but I'm staying there anyway. (laughs) Is that a T-shirt, Miata for your daughter? Is that a T-shirt? Possibly, just, just possibly. You know. Anyway, just kind of musing out loud. All right. Well, we've got tons of questions. Sixteen-year-old boys in in Miatas too. It's the same thing. It's it's that it's learn to drive or something a car. about cr- crashing your Mustang. 
Leaving a car show, you will crash a Mustang. It's like you bought the iPhone. You will drop your iPhone. Did you buy the iPhone? You're going to drop it. So Exactly. End, you know. <laughs> do, you, do you use toilets and have an iPhone? Guess what's going to happen to you. <laughs> Guess what's going to happen. Exactly. Terrible. Terrible. All Lots right. Jumping straight You in. were saying. Yeah, oh, my gosh. Head for uh, one. Go for it. Let's see here. Okay. So this is something Todd and I have noticed. Ed, Ed H. asks, okay. if we drive with our hands at 10 and 2, or do we do the nine and three positions? And he's noting that some steering wheels have thicker controls or mm-hmm, thicker steering mm-hmm. wheels that kind of get in the way for nine and three. I'm going to start by prefacing this. I like that you're alluding to both hands because Todd and I separately, as the show has progressed throughout the years, we've noticed each other riding with yeah. each other that we drive with both hands pretty much all the time. I can't think mm-hmm, of a time now where mm-hmm. I don't. And yep. it's become habit from all the precision driving and a lot of high-speed driving that we do for the show. It's migrated its way into our daily driving, and that's yeah, all true. you and I do. True. I, I mean, we're cruising along. Both my mm-hmm. hands are still on the wheel. And we've noted how much more in control that we are. And so now I look at other drivers that are got their seat way back and you know hand over the top of the yeah. steering wheel. And I'm thinking, yeah, you're yeah. far less in control if something yeah. should happen and you need, needed to react. And my seat is farther forward because of the racing that you and I have done and the high-speed driving. Instructors recommend that you deliberately put the seat far more forward and you're a little bit more uncomfortable, but you're farther over the top of the steering wheel. You're more in control of the car. And so that's now become my natural position. You're supposed to be able to drape your hand over the top of the steering wheel and have your wrist be able to bend over the top of the steering wheel. That's where you want to be sitting from a track perspective. So please don't get me wrong. We're not sitting on top of the steering wheel, but when you get that kind of range, what happens is when you hang on at nine and three, you have a slight bend in your elbows. You have tons of ability to move around there. But taking it a step further, I've noticed, you and I both joked about this, when we drive with other, when we ride with other drivers now, (laughs) especially like private owners of cars we drive, I'm hypercritical. Well, I just want to be but, like, we need to change that. Don't rest your hand on top of the shifter. You know, but, do this, do but that. We'll ride, we'll ride with an owner of their own car. And invariably, we'll ride with the owner of their own car. And it's typically a very hot car and a car that they like. And because we're all stupid boys, honestly, we're just, just stupid oh, idiot men. Yeah. We'll sit there with them. And invariably, they want to drive really fast for us in their car. Yeah. And the number of times... I don't get nervous in cars very easily, but the number of times I get nervous because you're driving this hard with one hand, just do me a favor. Please put both hands on the wheel. I typically would try to drive nine and three. I agree. There are those steering wheels sometimes that make that difficult, but I try to go nine and three. And I'm glad you brought it up because you and I now just always drive both hands on the wheel. Off we go. Yep. Yep. Nine and three for me, Ed. And that's because at 10 and two, guess what? Your hands are blocking the instrument panel. I want to see everything while I drive. And most manufacturers, the flappy paddles are, where are they? They're right at nine and three. They're not sure. farther up here on the sure. steering wheel. They're, they're far. I'm kind of even just below nine and three, just a little bit. So I've got, mm. you know, my elbows, you know, relaxed. My arms are relaxed and I, I feel far more in control. I mean, that's how I drive the, the Cayman, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I find that some steering wheels tend to, to nudge me up, depending on how my hands are feeling and that kind of stuff, how long I'm driving. I'll get nudged yeah. up toward 10 and yeah. 2 to get above the big crossbar sometimes. But 9 and 3 is by far the, the preference. Um, did you see Ackham's question to you? 
Akim, our friend in uh, Germany, he said, which of the following will be pa Paul's Jeep replacement? The Volvo XC90, the Jaguar X-Pace, the Alfio Stelvio, or the Porsche Macan? So he's just, <laughs> he's gunning for you, my friend. <laughs> yeah, he is. You're going to have to watch the upcoming release when we review the Macan S versus mm -hmm. the GLA AMG 45. And mm -hmm. I'm not going to spoil it now, so you're going to have to watch that. I'm happy with the Jeep right now. It's finally yeah. back to health. Yeah. Everything's working great. I'm happy to report that it's fine. And I do mm -hmm. like the, the size a lot, I have to admit. I know you do. I, yeah, I, I, know you do. I think it's just about right. It's The Ford Explorer is just a little bit too big and clunky. Mm -hmm. And this is mm -hmm. still the right size for people and gear. It's the shoot vehicle as well. And it's got the V8. I I just I'm just enjoying it right now because it's what I've got right now. But yes, it's still in my yeah. mind. I uh, <laughs> I will say I'm going to own a Cayenne in my life. I'm going to own a 911 in my life. But Cayennes are on the horizon too. <laughs> we got to own. When everything you have a Porsche warehouse, makes. it's just going to be huh. all Porsches. It's going to be your your man cave is like a 12 car garage all Porsches, and one of the one of the <laughs> the actual garages has been converted into a closet that's all Porsche design gear. This is your hey. this is your man cave. That's that's I'm, pretty much it. I'm completely fine with it. I, I and I won't love be it. allowed in. That's the other part of it. Is I I'll be out outside going, yeah, he's in there. I guess I don't know. It's happened again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I I'm actually intrigued by the Stelvio. I really am. It's a little bit smaller Agreed. than I thought it would be. I yeah, kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. I have no interest mm -hmm. in the Levante Maserati. I don't even want to drive it. <laughs> I don't. I just don't I care. You. I hear you. I, uh, but yeah, I'm, Cayennes I'm curious, are up there. But still, like, I take your point. Yeah, the Porsche Jeep. It's the Cayenne right there. <laughs> Stop. Stop. I <laughs> uh, also saw a cool one on Instagram. Uh, Spicy Mayo asked the question, "What's the i? This is this is a fighting words question. What's the ideal amount of horsepower for a daily driver?" I'm going to try to tackle it. I'm going to try to Ooh. tackle it because the hard part about this is how heavy a car are we talking about. Because obviously well, yes, horsepower yes. versus car size varies wildly. But I'm just just speaking horsepower in general, especially in a world of horsepower wars. And, you know, 15 years ago, nothing had 500 horsepower. Now it's like, oh, you can have your minivan with 500 horsepower. It's ridiculous. So I will say this. I think it's three to 400 horsepower is the tops for a car you just own and you get to drive it fun. You get to drive it commuting every now and then for fun. Because I feel like beyond three or 400 horsepower, fun Absolutely. Usable? Pretty much never. Whereas hmm. three to 400 horsepower, I think you're going to find opportunities. It's going to vary car to car, obviously, but you're going to find opportunities where right now on my commute, I can put my foot to the floor. Whereas yeah. beyond three yeah. or 400 horsepower, you, you're, you're pretty much just looking for where can I set off my nuclear bomb, which is nowhere. <laughs> so it's just, I don't Starbucks think it's usable at that clearly. point. Yeah, I, yeah uh, exactly. I'm with you on the three to 400. I was thinking three to 350, somewhere in there for a smaller car. But you've got to have enough power to get out of situations. You know, you've got to hit the gas to get ahead. Mm -hmm. You know, two trucks are merging and you've got to sort of get out of there or, you know, something like that. You've got to have enough power to cruise easily. I'm in the three to 350 right there. But yeah, 400, mm -hmm. three to 400 is, is a good range. More than that, as Todd said, is just where do you go use it? I mean, that's mm -hmm. your that's your weekend car. That's your track car. That's, you know, even though I know you can daily a 911, and those are way up there now, Yeah, you can, yeah. but there's still so much performance that you're not even using. To your story about the Hellcat, this is the extreme example. You're yeah, using, yeah, yeah. you know, 
a sixth of the power, yeah. if that, you know, just yeah, to yeah. tootle around. Because where do you use the rest of it? They mm-hmm. don't sell them in Germany. It's the mm-hmm. weirdest dichotomy. <laughs> 707 horsepower, not sold in Germany. It's mm-hmm. the strangest thing. Yeah, when we anyway. had that big... When we had that big charger, the big four-door monster Hellcat, I commuted yeah. on it at, yeah. at 10 to 20% throttle. Never needed more, ever, ever. Now, when we drove it for camera, we used all the throttle, but we're driving it on roads where there's nobody, and that's the purpose of driving it like that. But commuting, it was just this side of idle to do anything I wanted. And I kept thinking, why do I have all this power if this is how I was going to drive this car? Fun on the three or four times I can do it, and then it's just being wasted, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this ties right, right into Eric J's question about speeding tickets. And he says they're the mm-hmm. elephant in the room when it comes to driving on the road in a sports car. So how do you have a good time without ever getting one? Eric, <clears throat> if this is what we do, if this is the collective disease that you and I share, that Todd and I share, mm-hmm. we all share, mm-hmm. Yeah, get used to getting tickets. Not all the sure. time, but if no. it happens – don't be surprised. I mean, I haven't done this, so I need to take my own medicine, but you could even set aside some dollars. I mean, set aside 10 bucks a month or five bucks a month towards the, you know what, this is going to go to the speeding ticket whenever that happens, and I'll just yeah. have the money. Yeah. Because it's going to happen at some point. We try to avoid it. Radar detectors are the first layer, but they're only a layer. They're, mm-hmm. not, they're not foolproof. They give you two to three seconds of extra warning but you have to do yeah. something in that two yeah. or three seconds. You got to slow down, yeah. and you yeah, yeah. You, do, you don't know where the where the police are at. So, sure. I mean, I'm not recommending everywhere you go speed. I, I mean, <laughs> it's a part of driving. I mean, it's it's so easy to do it in modern cars. You look down and you're mm-hmm. going, mm-hmm. I'm going 90. This car <laughs> insulated me from everything. I'm going 90. What? what? How is that when possible? Did that yeah, it is amazing to go that fast without trying to go that fast. I, I take your point. Go on. So I I I feel like that. You know, it's going to happen. And I sort of relegated myself to thinking, all right, if it happens, don't be upset at yourself. Just know mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. you know what, you know, it was my turn. Okay. I, yeah. you know, I, I'm advocating radar detectors because it can prolong. And the Valentine one that I have has paid for itself. Yeah, they I don't know. pay I us know. to say that, by the way. I wish they would because I would talk about Valentine one all day long and how much money <laughs> it's actually saved me. Yeah, but they don't pay me enough to keep going on about yeah. it. Yeah, you 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 swear by them, and I've actually never had them. And I, and I look, I've seen the value of your radar detector. I get it. That is definitely an extra layer, as you're saying. I'm going to also say to you that the the thing that that about this is just. I know we keep coming back to we're beating on it this podcast, but it's true. Pay attention. Yeah. How far down yeah, yeah. the road are you looking? What's moving along in traffic with you? Look for who's doing what. Yes, I, I am a guy that obviously we drive fast. And I am not a guy that equates fast driving with reckless driving. Those are different animals. You can be Agreed. a slow, reckless Thank driver. Thank you for saying that. I so, agree. So I, but, but at the same time, going fast everywhere, even if you're a person that is comfortable driving fast or if a person that you're comfortable speeding, you still can't drive fast everywhere. Be, pick your moment and pay attention. Mm-hmm. Okay? And if you're, if you're one of these people that you need to speed by weaving back and forth through traffic, can I as a driver, Todd, can I as a driver do that? I could. Am I going to? No. But if I'm in the middle of nowhere, I'm going to speed. Exactly. It, it's just exactly. going to happen. So where are you? Think about location. <laughs> exactly. Who's back there with you? Look around. And every now and then, like to what Paul's saying, you're just going to get caught. You're just going to get tagged. And it's just 
this is the pay to play moment of driving fast. Yeah, it's it's something I'm always thinking about. And to be honest, I won't drive the Cayman without the radar detector. It's it's gotten to that level. I well, I don't want to drive yeah. it. It's just so easy because I think 89 miles an hour. I mean, come on. I got to get my daily triple here. I mean, come on. I mean, well, but, but right you bring there. it up, though. You do 89 in that car. You can do 89 in that car in a 60-mile-an-hour posted zone without trying to speed. You just look down and go, yeah. oh, my gosh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, there's, there's 90. And, I and have to really, try to not speed in the car. It's, it's insane. <laughs> it, that, that, car, that car carries speed. We talked about it on our M2 uh, GTS piece. That car carries speed like few cars have ever driven in, where it's just you look down and go, wait, no, that's got to be a lie. Is that yeah. kilometers an hour? No, it's not. You're really going <laughs> yeah. that fast. Yeah. It's uh, – anyway – I hope that answers your question, Eric, but I feel like in all of us as enthusiasts in our lives, it's going to happen. And so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. know that, prepare for it. I'm advocating radar detectors if they're legal in your state or if they're legal in your country, I'm advertising them you know, or, or advocating them, <laughs> advertising. Yeah. I wish I was advertising them, but come on, yeah. who would like to pay me to advertise? Because I would talk <laughs> about them. I know you would. They work. I know you would. I have like six or eight more I like, but I think I'm only going to cover two because we're coming up on an hour. I wanted to cover two others that I can cover quickly, but I'm curious how many you've got. I can cover one very quickly, and then we'll talk about the last one that I've got. Tyler is asking, which car do we think is the most well-known and loved by non-enthusiasts, but Hmm. is the biggest nightmare for actual enthusiasts to own? That's the easiest question I've ever read, Tyler. A Prius. Okay, good. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Non-enthusiasts love this car, and it's a nightmare right. for us enthusiasts to own. It's a nightmare. I, don't I think love that you voted for the Countach. And I love no. that answer. I love that answer. That is fantastic. I love that you voted for the Countach. It's up there, but I, I know what you mean. It's the car that makes enthusiasts groan. That's great. I really yeah. do like that. I really do. Non-enthusiasts really are fun. just – they're – they're on and on and on about the Prius and yeah. how game-changing yeah, yeah. it is. And even on uh, spoiler alert, the the most recent Top Gear UK, Rory was on about the Prius and what a game changer it was. And yeah. Chris yeah, yeah, was yeah. like, he said, uh, "How about you know disc brakes or you know windshield wipers or you know <laughs> things that really change the auto else. industry?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. I was not. I I disagree with Rory. It's it's a step. It's a stage. It's a Try the first yeah. gen I, had drum brakes. Drum brakes. Nineteen oh five cars had drum brakes. Yeah. Well, it is it is interesting to drive that car because when we did it in our little Prius Diaries thing, we drove the fourth gen recently, and it is interesting to see it's such a merging of incredible economy car merged with cutting edge tech, all put mm-hmm. together in one package. And it's funny how in the course of using it you'll move from one where it's like, oh, it does that really well. That's really cool. It why is this car this way? It's just this constant exactly. ebb and flow of, of why is that so terrible, followed who by, huh, that's really of, cool. It's the weirdest reality. Yeah, it's yeah, who yeah. thought of this? Oh, who thought of that? Oh, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> it's very bizarre. Why, what so, on earth? Chad, Chad wrote in on Facebook. He's asked a lot of great questions, but he asked this question. He said, what time of year is the best time of year to buy a car? And he submits, he th- mm. he's wondering if it's spring, summer. I'm going to say to you, Chad, dead of winter. You want to buy a sports car? Buy it in the dead of winter. If you watch, and of course we do, prices of sports cars, especially convertibles, but sports cars in general will be at their lowest of a calendar year when it is bitter cold outside. 
Oh, yeah. That's yeah. when you want to shop. If you really want to shop for a sports car, shop December, January, February. You will find deals. Late spring, early summer, all those cars get more expensive because now people are like, I really want something fun to drive. And everybody mm-hmm. in the market can bring yep. their car up. So I, I'm telling you, man, you've got a coat on. It's freezing outside. It's time to boot up the computer and buy yourself a sports car. That's the time of year. I couldn't agree more. I could go for uh, late fall as a second choice because you sure. had your sure. fun car all summer. Mm-hmm. And you think, I don't want to store this. I don't want to yeah. just park yeah. it for the winter. I should just sell this and get rid of it. That could be a nice second option right in there too. But yeah, that's good. That's then good. you're saddled with uh, – I just bought my fun sports car and we're headed into winter. Yep. Ugh, yep. This is going to kill me. A bummer. For sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, gosh, so many good questions. There's, ah, I'm looking at the time. I'm looking at the questions. I know. Maybe, maybe I should leave it right there. You had one more, didn't you? I had one more that's quick that I wanted to cover. I know we've beat on this car a lot, but I, I read John Dallas's question and I thought there is the perfect answer for this. He asked, okay, he wants a super fun car. That's enough of a sleeper that the woman in his life won't realize he's bought a 15000 or less super fun car. So instantly, <laughs> let's be honest, cars that look like sports cars are out. Cars that are two-seaters are out. It has to be something that she can look at and just be like, okay, whatever. Mm. But yet it's crazy fun. The answer, mm. John, the answer is one car, Fiesta ST. Non-enthusiasts don't know that car is fun. Enthusiasts often look at that car and don't realize what it is. You have to drive one and realize how fun it is. What does it look like? It looks like Ford's version of the Honda Fit. It looks like you bought a little commuter hatch. Nobody cares. But yet, that is one of the most fun cars to drive. 15 grand in your pocket. You buy a Fiesta ST. You will hoon it and love it. The only telltale sign is the manual transmission. Otherwise, it's a Honda Fit. It's a commuter wagon. Who cares? And crazy fun. You've just given me a chance to beat on the price even more. Fifteen grand will get you practically brand new, but twelve five, <laughs> you can get one. I, know, I think Fiesta I know. STs for everyone. I this know. Is, this we're, is a car you can drive year round. We're practically handing them out over here. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They're just you know, <laughs> they're like Skittles. Come on, <laughs> they come Pick in Skittles color. colors. Exactly. But I will say. But, John, if you're going sleeper, as much as I hate silver cars, if you're going sleeper, buy a silver or black Fiesta ST, ideally silver. <laughs> as much as I hate silver cars, if you're going sleeper, you need to go silver. Don't go the fun orange or the Skittles green or all the colors that Todd would buy. Avoid that for your sleeper car. Get silver, Fiesta ST, nobody will ever know. Oh, that's true. And that'll help with speeding tickets because if it's not red or orange or something really bright and hot, yes. that could help you blend in a little bit more too. So when you're mm-hmm. you know, cutting through traffic, which we don't recommend – It'll help you disguise you even a little <laughs> bit more. Wow, guys. Well, we'll have to wrap it up right there. Thank you very much for writing in. Mm-hmm. We are on Velocity Channel in five days. Craziness. Craziness. Wow. Yeah. We I, couldn't I, have I done get it back without to your support. <laughs> you, you should. Why are you still here? Why are you still <laughs> yeah, talking? I know. I, what am I doing? Yeah, this is all bad. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's really been your support. It's been the rating and the reviewing, and we've got a lot of stuff planned. We have so many ideas; mm-hmm. it overwhelms even us. But <laughs> it it's because right of now. you guys. Right. Seriously, yep, we're just you know, hey, what about this? Yeah, who has time for that? What a great idea! We we don't have time for that, so yeah, that's where we're at. 
which we love. We'd rather that than the alternative. There's so many ideas. You guys are being so supportive. We thank you. We'd love to have you watching on Velocity. Remember, the first uh, six episodes or so are some reworked content you've seen on YouTube. There are three brand new episodes that have never been on YouTube. For those of you that don't have Velocity, they will find their way to YouTube. So thank you for that. And uh, we're just glad to have you with us. Yep, agreed. A little bit of a shout-out to our Gears and Gasoline friends, Ben and Ben, who came to Utah and did a piece on us. If you haven't seen it, these guys did a phenomenal job with their shooting, their editing, their artistic style. And this was just getting to know us and kind of how we shoot and a little bit of behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mm -hmm. I highly recommend it. Both Todd and I were very entertained and amused and going – that's us. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. We, <laughs> well, huh. you had that same experience I did, which it was incredibly because as long as we've been doing the show, it was incredibly bizarre to watch something where we were on camera and we didn't film it. That was really yeah. weird for yeah, me. That I just was kept weird. going. But I, <laughs> and you didn't edit yeah. it either. Yeah, exactly. Nothing. I, I had seen nothing that was shot. I, I knew it was shot. Yeah. But I'm watching yeah. this piece and I keep going. But if I'm in it, shouldn't I have seen it already? It was very weird for me. But it, it is a fun piece for sure. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Onwards, everyone. Cheers. <laughs>